Hello and welcome to episode 322 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now coming up on today's episode, I'm joined by James and Christoph from the brilliant band His Lordship. This is a band that have just got incredible rock and roll running through their blood. Their music is fantastic. Their live show is unbelievable. And as we're sitting here right now, we know that their brand new album is going to be out on January the 26th. I think everyone's going to absolutely fall in love with it and I love what they're doing. So I really hope today you discover this band if you don't already know them or if you are a fan, you get to find out a bit more about this band and what makes them themselves. Before I hit play and give you that interview, I'd just like to touch base and talk about my last episode. On episode 321, I was joined by Andy Nyman. What a great interview, what a great response and just all round great guy and definitely someone that I'm really keen to get back on the podcast as soon as possible. But today it's all about His Lordship, a band that you should be listening to and hopefully after listening to today's interview you will do just that. So I think the best thing to do right now is to get straight to the interview itself. So here's me and James and Christoph from His Lordship talking all things music. So James and Chris, thank you so much for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Hello, thanks for having us. What I love to do on the podcast, and I do this with all guests that come on, is take it right back to the very start. So for both of you, I would love to know what was the first album that you remember, maybe as a kid, that you were given or you bought with your pocket money, that made you fall in love with music. That very first one that you remember just being obsessed with and listening to over and over again and just falling in love with every song on there hmm. chris you go first on okay well i i think like it came i didn't know that i was supposed to love it in the beginning i just grew up with my my dad's record collection and it was just there you know he was listening to frank Zappa and like joe and armor trade it was quite good but also like he he was like he should have been a musician, but it, he wasn't allowed for his parents. He became a bricklayer instead. So he he had this great love of music. But I remember the I remember hearing "Fresh" by Sly and the Family Stone at a party. I might have been fifteen. That was where I was like, "This is what is this?" It had that groove, but still had like the attitude. And I just went into a room like in at the party and just listen to this album for like 15 times or something so that i think that was my first one yeah that's amazing yeah. foundations that's awesome yeah i mean for me it's the same i mean my dad's record collection was vast and my dad really should have been a musician in another life too uh and he had so many records and was was, was playing me music all the time that it really is blurry i didn't, didn't go out because I've been asked this question a few times, and I, and I, I never went to our price of my own money and bought record just because my dad had it all, and he'd be playing it all the time. And I mean, the, the first sort of record records that I really connected with was uh, were um, Elvis records, really, 
I mean, that's what I remember. I was obsessed with Elvis and I wanted to be Elvis and I would listen to him constantly. I would I would stand on the sofa whilst watching the Elvis 68 comeback special and trying to be Elvis with a microphone stand, you know. And so I, I listened to all that, all those Sun records and everything were very influential to me in, in you know, at a very young age, you know, that's how I remember first hearing music really was all that stuff, but also other stuff, Miles Davis, all this stuff. I was, I was he exposed me to a lot of music uh, and that, so it's his fault where I am where I am now. We, we pretty much <laughs> had the same, like you, your dad took you to lots of gigs. Yeah. Well, my dad took me to quite a few gigs and you have a brother who's a drummer and I have a brother who's a drummer as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, we, we have kind of the same. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that about your dad. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. With live music, I think that's where it all changed for me. Uh, even at a young age, just after sort of primary school, even getting into secondary school, kind of the age of 11, 12, I'd go to loads of gigs. And back then you could go and see in Wolverhampton, places like that, Green Day, um, you know, Bush, Foo Fighters, really early shows. What were those first shows? And I think you both said your dad had taken you both as children that you remember that made the hairs on your neck stick up, your kind of ribcage shake, and you kind of were just blown away thinking that's what I want to do when I grow up. I mean, for me, uh, Chris is bored of hearing this because we went through this in the, the van the other day, but <laughs> my dad would take me to every gig he went to. And so that would be, you know, it would be in that. From like I was about five years old, I think my first show I ever saw was, uh, Fats Domino when I was like five years old at the, the South Bank. And then <laughs> so young, <laughs> he would just take me. And then the next week he went, I oh, we went to see Sonny Rollins. Wow. But he would take me to everything from Frank Sinatra to Miles Davis to Stevie Ray Vaughan. To, to, uh, I, mean, I mean, the list is endless. Dion, uh, Neville Brothers. I mean, he would just, I would be going out. You know, we went out together three times a week to see gigs up until I was probably, you know, 17, 18. You know, I mean, he's taken me to see everyone that was worth seeing in for me. So uh, endless amounts of gigs for me. Uh, I guess the, the the one, I mean, seeing, seeing, you know, Jerry Lewis and Chuck Berry back in, in the 80s, that they were great because that's what I was obsessed with. I was obsessed with rock and roll when I was young. Yeah. Tudor. At the at Wembley Arena when Bloody he did hell. the Get Rhythm tour, that, that was that was big one for me because I was obsessed with him. Uh, Johnny Cash a few times, you know. I mean, it's just you know he's he he outdid himself really. It was I I owe him everything. Do you know I've interviewed over three hundred people and no one's hit it that hard with their first show. It was people like Johnny Cash. Everyone else is like, <laughs> I think I went to see Cooler Shaker or Feeder in a small <laughs> pub, but uh, you've it seen everybody. He gave uh, he gave me a, a, a you know that that is why I'm doing it really yeah it was seeing all these people and just you know I lived for, for shows you know it, it, he would take me out of you know we wouldn't go to you know parents evening he would be at we'd be at you know the half moon Putney singer band or something you know it'd be it would be like um that was his focus and and my focus and it always has been obsessed with music obsessed that's good that's amazing is it yeah, the same for you Chris my- or my dad, he still goes like he he lives on his own now. He plays tennis twice a week, and then then he still goes to two free gigs. Like he'll he'll find the the cheap ones, you know. Yeah, go see a jazz gig in a cafe or something. 
But I mean, Copenhagen, unfortunately, I don't think we ever had Johnny Cash come through here. And we might have in, uh, in the 70s or something. But, um, but yeah, we went to quite a few gigs. Um, I remember uh, and one, the ones that hit me that, because we went to lots of, like, with artists you wouldn't know. But then I remember seeing Ray Charles, an outdoor concert where it started, like, a thunder coming on. And it was just like, you know, you you told yourself this is magic. Like, it's going to, you know, it's because of Ray Charles. It's lightning. I remember that one. And uh, Miles Davis as well were there. It was These just were the years. mixture of something you didn't quite understand, but it was still raw, but they could still, they played well, but it was never, it never went into like excellence. It was still like, it came from roots, I think, were those things that really hit me hard. What year did you see Miles Davis? Uh, that year, it must have been mid 80s. Mid 80s, yeah. yeah. I remember I'm so getting, jealous. He had a <laughs> bass player, Marcus Miller. Yeah, that, no, that, I went to. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to the one. In and the, he, his nephew was playing like these electric drums with his fingers. That's right. Yeah, it was great. And it, <laughs> it was really he had good. one of those eight jackets on those leather jackets. I remember it really clearly. And and we sat at the back of uh, the, the festival hall. And I think it was 1990, or it might have been earlier than that. But we sat at the back because Miles Davis always used to play with his back to the audience, didn't he? Oh, yeah, so yeah. You sat at the back, so you're just playing to up, you know, it was fantastic. Ah, uh, but it was so during, that, during that synth period that Jean Pierre yeah. loved that. Exactly. That's unbelievable. And I suppose I, I'm always interested because parents obviously have a massive um, part of your childhood and upbringing. And some parents would be against you saying that I want to be in a band, I want to make a career in music. But it seems that both of you are very fortunate that. They must have been like, we really want you to do this because it could be a nightmare for some parents uh, for, you know, being yeah. like, I oh, want to yeah. be a rock star. Like, well, you need to get a real job, you know. It was never forced upon me to do anything. No. It was just, that's all I ever wanted to do from my, when I, I can remember. I, it's never been a, a thing that I've wanted to do anything else. Just that. It's just this from the moment I can remember. I mean, honestly, hand on heart. And, you know, and my mum also, you know, I'm not going to, you know, she she was down on the front line dropping me off to, to gigs and, you know, collecting me from gigs when I was younger, you know, and uh, dropping me to, you know, a saxophone lesson or something, you know. And, um, yeah, she was, she she was incredible. I mean, I can't imagine doing that for anyone. <laughs> but she'd be, you know, it was a full-time job dropping me, you know, off places and picking me up as well. So she, she, she definitely uh, had a, a bigger part, as big a part as my dad, you know? Yeah. My mom was a little nervous. She was, she, she thought I should finish school. Yeah. Well, you know, you just made up your mind. So like, no, I'm not finishing this. And then, they they got divorced, so my my dad moved to this communion, like commune, commune, yeah. And he'd had like a, two rooms, so me me and my brother would sleep in one room, and in his bedroom he he put up a drum kit. So so I just moved out to him, you know. I stayed with him. Just when he went to work, I'd just be banging the drums and hanging out, you know. But you know, it's funny. We played in Copenhagen last year with Jason Isbell, and um, 
both Chris's parents were there at that gig and we played the garage in London a couple of nights ago and both my parents oh. were there at that one. They didn't have to take me home <laughs> after that one. I've moved out since. Yeah, they dropped you off at half six, <laughs> sound check. Yeah, I know, but, but, you know, they're still coming. They, they they love it. They, you know, they enjoy music. It was never a, it was never forced upon uh, either of us, it seems, you know, it was just a natural, we just loved it. Did you both do the whole Battle of the Bands thing at school and college and being lots of covers bands and those sort of young experimenting bands with lots of mates at school and college? Or was it a bit later on that you started to get heavily involved in forming and writing music? Um, for me, I, I played and I formed like a three piece blues band when I was, you know, I don't know, 16. Yeah. And we had- an older guy who played bass who had the van and everything and dropped us around who bought his PA and he got all these gigs around, you know, six, you know, Ilford and, you know, uh, all the funny. uh, Yeah. Not, not in luck, you know, all over, all over the shop. And then, and so I'd be playing. And we also had this, there was a place called the acoustic calf, which was in Soho, which was just, uh, it's in Manette. Yard, I think it's called Manette Street, Manette Yard, uh, just by Foils, and that that was a late license. That used to be a late license gig. So you, you and I, and I got a gig there. And I'd play there every like Saturday, Friday or Saturday, for for a few years. And you'd you'd start at ten and finish at three a.m. You know, and it'd be like you know I'd be underage in there, but it would be just a great way to cut your teeth, you know. Uh, and uh, so that's that's how that's how I sort of did it, and then I met a guy called Peter Bruntnell, and he when I was about seventeen, and he took me over to America. I was just doing my A levels, and after that, I think then we just went to America, and I recorded his record out there, like when I was you know seventeen or eighteen or something. It's amazing, it, teenagers doing stuff like that. But you know, it was all hanging out in bars and meeting people. You know, I, I went to gigs and met people. Even then, I was shy really shy but I, I i knew i wanted to do that and i and i you know plucked up the courage to go and talk to you know these older musicians and stuff and uh and they were they were kind of instrumental in you know lifting me up and and pushing me forward to do stuff but yeah it, it was a mission i think <laughs> yeah. what about you chris yeah i was in um i was actually in a in a rock and roll band called the Roosters, and we are uh, like Danish-based, and we got signed to Edel Records in Germany. We had we we actually got a when I was nineteen, we got a, an album out here in Denmark, but and toured quite a lot. And it was funnily enough, it was just rock and roll, and nobody did that in Denmark. Like I was part of that. So when James called like twenty years later, hey, do you want to play some rock and roll covers? I was like, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't even tell you at the time, like, it's funny, really. This, we're just going to play some songs, like some rock and roll songs. These are the ones, and it's like, really? I never met anybody who had the same taste in that. Because our band just went downhill, like, drugs and drink, you know, not so much myself. <laughs> of course but, not. Your mum's going to be listening. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> like everyone else, it was just that time, like, because suddenly we had a we had a, a record out we had so we we were like getting a little bit full of ourselves mm-hmm. I, I think and then from that then on I um I start I started playing with lots of different people and then in um, 
in '96. Uh, I found some some uh, some friends, and we moved to London to you know basically become the new Beatles. Um, you know, nice expectations there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then I just you know the, the band dis, uh, dissolved quite quickly, but the, I stayed on and then started to work. In, so basically, like from my early twenties, I was just in, I've been in London for twenty one years, and uh, that's how I met. Slowly, suddenly, I met. James and you know like-minded people. Yeah, what was your first um, meetup? Do you remember how you kind of came into each other's lives? Was there a mutual friend, or you're in a bar, or how was it you kind of found each other? Well, it was it was through Chrissy Hind of yeah, Paul, and uh, and she had this solo album out and had this band uh, that she was using, and Chris was playing drums in in it, and. Yeah. Uh, and she called me up and I, she wanted me to go and play in the band. Uh, so I did. And uh, that's where I met him. And I, I do remember him being, I think, the first, uh, I do remember the first rehearsal. I mean, I think I was in a pretty bad shape. You were. I was pretty bad shape. Uh, so I, I don't recall too much going on, but then I remember coming into the next rehearsal. I, I was all right, and then Chris coming in, he was in pretty bad shape. <laughs> <laughs> so then my first sort of remembering, you know, uh, that, that's that's why how I first remember meeting him, and we just hit it off, you know, like-minded, as you say, like-minded sort of uh, people. <laughs> yeah, we had a great first, like we had a tour with with Chris, six weeks in America, and it was just. A- the best time. It was such an easy tour, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So when from that and obviously touring and getting to know each other and spending lots of time together on tour, when did the idea for his lordship kind of start? Was it either of you or was it just a conscious effort of doing something different than you were doing with Chrissy or was it just a, a release of well, wanting it, just to do something different? Sorry. I mean, yeah, I mean, it stemmed from it was a period where nothing much was going on, and that's yeah. hence calling calling Chris up saying, "Do you want to do some rock and roll covers in this in, yeah. in my local pub, which is called the Boogaloo up in Archway?" Uh, which that's is a great pretty, name, by the way. The Boogaloo, yeah, it's a great pub. A lot of my musical um, uh, acquaintances have come from there. Shane McGowan, lots of people. You know, it's it's one of those pubs. Jerry O'Ball, who runs it, is a is uh great you know uh so so we so that so we 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 started talking about just doing a rock and roll covers thing so and we did it we had a little band called months little help and we just played rock and roll covers and then and it got to the point where we were playing and it was the pub was packed every week you know uh and we'd have like paul cook and glenn matlock down there slim jim phantom christy came down we had a lot of Everyone was coming down to it. It was like a Sunday afternoon but thing. Was it just you two, or did you have a bigger band at that point? Oh, we had a bass player. Yeah, play- bass player as well. Uh, some some it was a trio. Yeah, it was a trio there. But and then we decided to, um, and then we just got bored playing covers. It's like you know because we naturally we sort of we write you know songwriting. yeah you're creative aren't you yeah and so with that was great doing that but it's like well I can't you can't just do this so. But we saw how people reacted to the music, so then we thought, then then we we just thought about writing songs in that way, you know. And and we we discussed it ad nauseum, really, didn't we, Chris? And we oh, had a, 
you know, uh, you know, then, then the lockdown happened and uh, we just started writing together and um, it, it, it all took shape from there. We, we didn't have any sort of, it didn't, you know, the, the, the band, we wanted it to be a rock and roll band, but there was no sort of, we didn't want it to be a, a 1950s rock and roll band. It could be anything. It's about the spirit of it, really. You know, we could do a, a John Coltrane in you know <laughs> improvisation for 20 minutes yeah. but it still had that spirit it didn't really matter and that was important to us you know uh so and we didn't want to write about a, a you know a cadillac because what the hell would we know about a cadillac not very relatable is it really no i don't even drive so it's ridiculous you know so um so we just we, we wanted to to write about what we knew as well and so that, hence the why that the songs about camden and you know buzz kill all that you know yeah. That's amazing. I love that. I love that you were kind of doing successful covers, really, in a band in a in a quite a smallish venue. But the whole time, it was destined to be more than that. You know, some people now are just living off doing Foo Fighters nights or Radiohead nights, and that's all they do. You know, twelve months a year, solidly touring, just playing covers. But um, there was no, more for it. Absolutely, that's a, a great way to you know. As far as I'm concerned, to earn a, a, a living doing music, music is a, is an amazing thing. And if you have to do that, then you that's a great thing to yeah do. You know, and there's nothing wrong with it at all. It just, it was just for us. We were um we had we were more ambitious than that. You know, we we we, we you know it, it, it that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to write. Otherwise, you know, we didn't want to be in a covers band. So what? Where are we looking at in timescale of when you then started to write? Was this during lockdown or just after lockdown that you guys kind of sat down and started putting pen to paper and writing lyrics and songs? And I'd say it was before lockdown because yeah. I remember like our first couple of singles. One one is called "I'm So Bored of Being Bored," and people thought it was a lockdown song, hmm. but it was actually written before that. We we were bored even before lockdown. So lockdown was like, well, if you're bored now, watch this space. (laughs) But we were were just coming into lockdown, I think. And it kind of actually, because I remember you, James, you had a lot of work on with the presenters. Hmm. Uh, And so that got cancelled. And if it hadn't got cancelled, you know, (laughs) you would have been on the road. And so now instead we were just, we were just, doing it when we were amping it up and just... yeah it wouldn't have happened without i don't think it would have happened maybe it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for lockdown no, i think I, yeah interesting i never thought of that before but it definitely put you know a fire under us to get it going and that, that's all we talked about for like you know a year more no more <laughs> how long was lockdown i've forgotten oh yeah it felt like forever but it was about two years in officially i think so yeah. that's what we talked about two yeah. years and, uh, and and every fight and a- any time there was like you know any time they opened the gates, you know for 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 a couple of weeks before you know it got bad again. Chris would come over, uh, come over to England. We'd try to get recording time somewhere and um, do a yeah. do a test every third day. You had to do like you had to do a test before you came on day <laughs> on day three, on day eight, and on day ten. It was mental, and I still did it. I was, yeah, I, I had great admiration for Chris. <laughs> it was quite I mean, good. I don't know whether I'd have done it. That's dedication. At least you know his heart's in it. But also, I just want to get out of Denmark. <laughs> like, let me out of here. 
Yeah, I'm even bored now of being bored. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. We worked really hard at it. I mean, you know, we were writing songs, we were talking all the time. And, and you know, it was a lot of time to, there was a lot of time to think about the, 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 the band and what it would be, you know, even from, you know, social media. Because, you know, people like us don't do social media, really. You know, it's not the thing that we want to do, really. Uh, you just so want to play to songs and write music, don't you? Really, that's all you want to do, right? But it, 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 the world's changed, and, and and people that's what how people hang out on a phone, yeah. And so, we had to decide how we're going to do that, and uh, and so that's why we devised this sort of you know, we'd be wearing suits all the time, we wouldn't say anything. Actually, I think this is the first time we've ever spoken on a <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. That's weird. All the fans suddenly, you know, fuck off. <laughs> you know um but um so yeah so we devised this thing we've both been suits we've got a, a lot of inspiration from gilbert and george really yeah. the way they would do uh and we just, and then we thought well we'll do we'll just do 20 seconds of we'll film ourselves on an iphone fuck it that's what we'll do and we'll just and just us playing 20 seconds of rock and roll and put that up and see what happens but we won't talk uh, uh you know we won't be you know yeah, we, won't, we just won't talk because I, th- I think that could be embarrassing on those social media things, you know. But, um, and so we did it and the reaction to these videos was sort of overwhelming. And uh, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, and then the great thing about social media is suddenly you get like, you, you've existed for a week and you get a comment from someone in, in the United States or come to Paris or something. And you're like, what? <laughs> you know, that... That can actually happen. So it happened to us really quickly. But people like come and play, and so we we were just really encouraged by it. So and we, it sort of made us. And then we sort of, we we had a a record, and we had our first single out, and everything. And and it it, it it enabled us to do our first tour. Really, I think a lot of people had seen it on social media, which which completely blew our minds. Really, there are people there wherever we went on this first tour. You know, so. Uh, yeah. Did so you have it, this expectation you're going to turn up to these venues and it just be empty? And it oh, was yeah. that one person in Paris who said, come oh, and play. Absolutely. Well, we never went to Paris, but <laughs> yeah, just around the UK, you know, you go to yeah, Birmingham on a, on a Tuesday. Like, if people don't know you, you're not going to, they're not going to come. It's it's really difficult. So so the fact that like on the first tour, we had like 50 to 70 people. It's like, we were like, wow, we've got a gig here. It's yeah. fun, you know. Yeah, we were amazed, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard enough well, to get people out, even if you're very successful and famous. People do not want to leave their homes at the moment. No. They don't want to part with money. And in the week, they do not want to have a late night because they've got to get up for work the next day. So to get five people in a pub to watch your band play right now is an achievement. It is. Uh, it is. I'm very grateful for more the coming out because, you know, there were a number of wet days on the, the last two we did, you know. Very wet days. I thought no one's gonna come out Bristol on a Monday night, and lo and behold, there were. You know, and um, there you go. I mean, you know, we, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a fast, loud rock and roll show that we do. So uh, hopefully, they know they they realize they're going to be entertained for an hour. <laughs> you know, that's the that's the um, that's the aim anyway. And as we're sitting here now, obviously, you guys have got the album. 
the self-titled debut. Um, it's all recorded. I'm sure it's mastered and ready for the world to listen to. But right now, it's not out. Um, it says everywhere it's like early next year. Have you got a date in mind? Is there something locked in now? Yes, it's January the January the twenty sixth. Brilliant. So we can start the new year with the album. It can be officially out there, and you haven't got to talk yeah. about it coming out. It'll actually be there for everyone. It will be. Yeah. It's, it's coming out, you know, uh, and. Yeah, we're, we're going to do a few in stores around the country uh, around that time too. We just how long have you guys had it been? Uh, how long have you guys had to sit on it for? Has it been quite a while, or has it only recently been finished and mastered? Oh, it's only just recently been finished. Yeah. And mastered. you know, it's not been a, a really long time. I mean, you know, a few, a couple of months or so. You I've know. had a few bands on recently because of lockdown and because of everything that have been like, yeah, we've had this album for 18 months and we're sick of it now and we're bored and we don't really yeah, yeah. know why we're promoting it because it's just everything's been delayed with getting vinyls pressed or, you know, the, the story behind it all. But it's oh. nice to hear a band that have got something that's only just been finished. Well, I mean, you know, I say it's just been finished. I mean, the, 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 the actual process of it has been yeah. the last thing has been finished. The whole recording of the record took place over uh, you know the lockdown period yeah and in between stuff it's kind of a snapshot of where we are i kind of to me it feels like we've sort of grown up in public as a band do you know what i mean like you know we, we road tested these songs there's loads of different um versions of them when we did you know as we were going much like an older band would just go and play the songs before they had a record out you yeah know? And that's how we did it because we were just doing it for for fun, really. That's the the main, you know. We were doing it because we loved doing it, and there wasn't much. Uh, but <laughs> I remember after COVID, there was an, a nine months lead up on on vinyl pressing. Crazy. So luckily, that's gone down now. So I think it's only three months now. So that made it a, a bit easier. But, I mean, for for bands that had a, a album finished and then had to wait nine months just for the vinyl to be pressed it's really difficult really difficult i mean we we went through around the houses didn't we when we were trying to get the first singles out yes i mean it was incredible how we you know it it was pulling we did an ep and it took we found like this this small indie pressing thing which then comes with new problems because they're (laughs) they're not used to you know all these things and I mean just getting it sent to England from from Denmark oh. they because of brexit suddenly they we, we had they got it returned three four times and it was all or it'd be like it'd be somewhere in the, the British country for like fucking weeks <laughs> and we pulling out yeah it was it was something yeah learning yeah. process You've been tested quite a lot, even the fact that the album isn't even out yet with all these delays and the, the, oh, the logistics yeah. and stuff, but you're learning the whole time. Yeah. It was um, it's been a, it's been a big a, lesson. Yeah. Yeah. It's been tough, tough, tough getting it to this point logistically and, st- you know, all that stuff like the records, when you're getting your record out and everything. That, that, that bit's been, um, uh, tough, but the music's been the easy bit, you know? Yeah, it, the music's that's the funny thing about it, but I guess that's always the case, you know. The music's you know, is 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 the thing that we I like to think we can do well, <laughs> and you know, it doesn't take too much uh out of us. 
Does it does it feel kind of are you nervous, both of you, knowing that the album isn't out yet and when you were playing these shows only recently, like you said last week, um with not enough music out there for people to know. So you're not gonna get people singing to every song at the moment. You're not gonna get, you know, only a bit of music out there to give people a taste. Is it a weird well, we... kind of psychological look on you know, we can't rely on people having an album and have had it months so they can learn all the songs. Well, we've done it back to front, really. We just wanted, yeah, we just wanted to play, so we it's went the out. Complete opposite of most bands I speak to. Yeah, yeah it's the, we just we just did it, didn't we, Chris? We just went yeah. for it. Yeah, uh, and we started out with like mostly covers, and then we just oh, we need some more originals, and then we get another original, we put it in the live set. We'll just and now it's just originals, and if we want, we can play a couple of covers because we we have them. But uh, we ha- we we caught up with ourselves. That's how we. Basically. I love it. Each time we write a song, we can get yeah. rid of a cover. And and you yeah. because of YouTube, there'll be like four different word versions out there of that same song because we we just went for it. We just yeah. We say like, this is a new one. <laughs> Bear with us. And then people people love that. And you know the EP we we've got. That's the funny thing. We have people singing along, uh, which is quite uh, which is great. You know. But people seem to be singing along and know the tunes. Or I mean, there's been there's been probably five tunes out for yeah, and people you know react like to them. And, and we've been playing these songs now for for this, in this this past year. We've only done a couple of tours. We haven't yeah. done you know we did it. I don't know how many tours we've done four or five in the last yeah four. Well, we 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 counted. Did we have we played four times in London? Haven't we? Four yeah. five. I mean, it's great because we were playing. Um, we went from playing downstairs at this bar called Aces and Eights in Tufnell Park, which held thirty people. That was our first gig, and then we played uh, the garage on Friday night, and that was there's about four hundred and fifty people there, or so. So that's that, a nice, that, nice growth. That year, I guess, maybe a little more than a year, but not not much more. You know, and so it's been. It feels a lot longer than that. I must admit. <laughs> Unless I'm mistaken, it's more than that. But I mean, you know, that that lockdown really did. Um, my timeline is just I yeah, think timeline is completely skewed at this point. I've no idea how old I am anymore. Oh, 20, That's it. <laughs> yeah. So, so what's next then? Obviously, the album comes out. Are you then going to try and get some more dates? Are you going to try and make London a fifth time? Are you going to try and get a whole UK tour or even places in Europe that follow the release of the album? Yeah, we uh, will. We'll, we're just going to continue. Like, um, I think when the album comes out, we have some installs. Yeah. So we're going to go around playing installs, and then that'll we... be fun. Really intimate shows. Get to meet yeah, people yeah, exactly. there for the music. That's amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. that's all we try to do. Really, yeah. we're going to tour in in April or May, and it's still up in the air. But that's going to be a UK thing. Lovely. And then. Uh, yeah, we're trying to make something happen in the States over the summer. Uh, also, that needs to materialize. We haven't quite nailed it down. And then September, October, another tour in the UK. That's our plan. Is that going to be a headline or supporting somebody else? Uh, there's some talk about supporting in, in, in May, but I think October is definitely going to be. But we, we'll play some of our headlines gig in between the show. Lovely. We don't want to keep it too long because the thing is for me and James, we always knew 
it wasn't going to be, we couldn't compete with Britney Spears on, on Radio 1, if you know what I mean. <laughs> we just want to be a great live band. Yeah. So that's, that's what it is. So we can't not play for seven months. Uh, it'll just, we'll forget what it is. You yeah, know. It's just about playing live for you guys, isn't it? It doesn't matter if you're number one on Spotify. You're not going to be looking every week at the numbers. It's more about just going out there yeah. and doing what you love. That that's the whole. That was the whole point of the band, really. I mean, you know, we, we put a hell of a lot of work into the songs. You know, we put a lot of work. But I mean, the, the, the songs were there to put into our live show. That's that's how we did when we started. That was what it was going to be. You know, there was nothing more. You know, so once you start getting into radio and all this other stuff, it's like you can sort of get you down a little bit because it's not really the point of the band. And it's uh, out of your control. It's out of your control. And also, you know, everything seems to be about numbers these days, which is kind of not what the ethos of this is at all. You no. know, that's it's... the harsh reality, though. Like everyone, yeah. even when I do an interview, everyone's like, what's your numbers of downloads? I'm like, <sighs> I just yeah. want to talk to this band. I enjoy it. It's something fun. We'll both get a lot out of it. It's exciting to talk yeah. to new people. It doesn't matter if it's a million or 20 downloads. It's But also, it doesn't always translate because I guess, guess end of the day, you want to make some money. But, you know, it's it's a different thing. Like, you have people who has might have, like say, like 50,000 followers on Instagram, but they, they can't fill a venue. No. Because it's a different, you know what I mean? Like, so, and then you have like, so it's, yeah, I think I agree with you. It's too much. You can, you can literally oh. have a dog, someone's dog on Instagram that has oh, yeah. 50,000 followers or yeah. someone that can uh, juggle. And then you're like, well, I'm not going to be able to compete with that dog. That's really cute that everyone watches every week. But do you know what? They can't podcast. No. <laughs> no. So don't compare me to someone's numbers that can be just, or oh, someone's bought followers, you know what I mean? It's like... All data, isn't it? And it's that, yeah. that doesn't really fit in with rock and roll. It doesn't go with it at all. I can't imagine Elvis back in his day or the Beatles being like, well, have we got enough streams on Spotify this week, you know? I mean, they just went, they did the groundwork, didn't they? They went... Yeah. And I think that is, uh, I, I still think there's a great thirst for a great live music, you know? I could see it in people's reactions, you know. To, to, I still think pe- people want that because you don't get that from AI or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's 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 real. It's there. It's visceral. It's it's there in front of you. you know, I, I feel you, like I might sound like a granddad, but I look at old festival posters and um, the lineups are amazing. You look at like Reading and Download and stuff twenty years ago, and the lineups just insane. You've got all these huge bands: Smashing Pumpkins, Radiohead, Pearl Jam. And I think I look now at the lineup and I don't know as many names just because I'm a granddad. I'm like, oh my God, I'm 40 and I'm that person who's like, it's not like the old days. But the <laughs> festival sell out in minutes and look at Glastonbury. They don't announce a lineup and it sells out in minutes and you can't get tickets for half of the gigs anymore. So I think there's never been such a demand, especially after lockdown, for people just to enjoy live music. And it was only um, I saw Queens of the Stone Age two nights ago, and it was just every single person was stood up singing to every word. Yeah. And I was like, it's because people have not been able to see this band because of lockdown for three years. And it was just incredible to be like kind of lucky enough then to appreciate live music again because there was one moment that I thought we might not have a gig again. You know, when everything was being oh, yeah. cancelled. I think we all thought that. I, no one could see it's like wow and if it's gonna mean 
standing, you know, two feet apart or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. I don't want to do it. This is just, you know, um, but it's definitely come back. You know, people are going out. It, it seems, yeah, all gigs seem to be pretty well attended. I mean, you know, you know, something like the Queens of the Stone Age, obviously. You yeah. Know, it, there's a the thirst for it, you know, theatre, music, all that. It, it's it's great. It, it's alive and well, for sure. What I do on the podcast, guys, and it's my last question. Uh, normally I do podcast one-on-one, so it'll change the dynamics slightly. But the last question I give to every person that's been on the podcast, and it doesn't matter if they're an actor, director, or a musician, is you get to choose the last song that's played. So after today's episode is all edited and ready for the world to listen to, the guest gets to choose any song by any band or any artist that means something to them. So what we'll do on today's episode is you both get to choose a song and we'll kind of split it so you can both have a bit of the song and I'll do like a nice little fade in so you get a bit of both. But what's the song that came to your head and your heart before any other? And I know it's difficult because both of you have got an incredible history of music. I think mine's too 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 somber for the end. Oh, oh I've I had gonna... people pick a 22-minute Yoko Ono B-side that was just noise, so <laughs> don't worry. All this piece in the valley. But it's like someone's died, man. I don't know. Great choice. It just came to my head. But if that's the one, it just came into my head. You know. Okay, I'll, I'll say what came into my head. Uh, the replacements. Tommy gets tonsils out. Well, that's two great songs that um, have absolutely fuck all to do with each other. That will work perfectly. Good luck, me trying to get them two to splice together. But uh... <laughs> yeah, that you. Good luck. Now, Are we going good... with those two? Are those your final answers? Yeah, why not? I mean, we are we are ending our shows with uh, Liberace, a song <laughs> called Ciao, just to really piss people That'd off. Be so nice and epic. Never say goodbye. Say ciao. <laughs> why don't you end it with Chris singing? Do it all, Chris. Yeah, sit here now, <laughs> sing the whole lot. <laughs> um, they're quite. Yeah, that's it. it goes that those two songs. It, it's a very somber but an amazing performance by Elvis, and then yeah. To, uh, an amazing electric performance by the replacements, you know. So it's best of both worlds. That's how we are. Yeah, I'll get some snippets of your own band in there as well before the interview, so it splices oh, up great. as well. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Cheers, guys. Uh, I've really enjoyed today. It's great to meet you both. What I'll do is when I see a um, announcement for I think April or May or whenever it is for this UK shows, um, I'll make sure I pop down, I'll grab a beer with you both. Yeah, oh, come down whenever. Just. Yeah, just get in touch. Yeah, we'll we'll do something. Uh, I always love to meet bands. Obviously, in the world at the moment, it's easier to do everything on the computer, but nothing beats actually just coming down face to face and saying hello and watching a show. Nice you lovely to meet you. Yeah, love thank you. Meet. And uh, thank I know you guys said that you weren't, you know, massive on doing press. It was all about not social media and playing shows. But I appreciate your time. And uh, I, the world is very unfortunate that you have to get out there and be on Instagram and you have to be on Facebook yeah. and Twitter. Funny thing about that, though, it, I don't want to be too down there because it, it's obviously been, it's obviously, um, it's done a lot for us. It's the so. making of you, isn't it, to get the it name almost, out there? It, yeah. That's the weirdest thing. I mean, I actually quite enjoy doing these ridiculous videos now. That was one of the, the sort of things that we, we, we're going to have to somehow enjoy it, you know. So we have... A really good time making them they make us laugh yeah. so they have actually been therapeutic for us and, and good and sort of we just treat them as a laugh so I, I can't be too down on it i you know 
the way we're concerned it's it's been it's been good fun but um it, it can weigh you down sometimes the amount of it that there's too many so i've got facebook which brings a lot of people twitter's my biggest one that's where everybody comes all my traffic comes from twitter i've launched youtube now because people want to watch interviews so when you've got i had pete doherty everyone wanted to watch it so i was like okay we'll, we'll put that out and now everyone keeps telling me to get on tiktok and i'm like oh it's another one oh, yeah You'd and think the one would fall away, wouldn't you? Like maybe, you know, they're not at the moment. There's like there's these five B, and then some sort of Snapchat now is. I'm like, oh, I can't do it. I, there's too much. I'm like, I just want a couple, just a couple, like new episode out now. You know? Yeah, yeah. we we've got a guy, guy Dan doing. He helps us with it. Yeah, but we do the, all the content, but as far as putting it out there and how it works, not a fucking clue. And he's been. And it's different formats as well, isn't it? Like this one oh, has to be yeah. some This one has to be like, oh. Some and... give you 30 seconds, some give you as long as you want. Yeah, and exactly. Oh. We sound like granddads, all of us. Some kids are well, listening like, well. Well, so... I'm, sure the ki- I'm sure the kids feel the pressure as well, you know? Like, yeah. We, we were talking they're, about judged, this... they're judged by their numbers. There's kids, my wife's a teacher, and the kids at school are like, you know, it's a bullying technique. Like, well, you haven't got. 20 likes on your picture you're a dickhead and it's like fucking hell what a pressure to put on yourself okay yeah, I, re- I remember like when it, it was cool to disappear <sighs> it was you, you'd go out and and like you disappear like and people like next day well, where'd you go you know yeah, yeah. now like you can't disappear you, you need to, to to and it's it's i think you're dead if you do yeah yeah like why why were you not online for a day is everything okay you're like well actually i went on holiday and i had a, a meal out with my wife it was a you know, bit, bit weird but that was you know normal yeah oh well well hopefully well yeah what can you do we just have to keep doing it well i'll tag you guys on facebook twitter instagram tiktok youtube uh and i'll spread the word Boy. that your album's coming out and uh thanks, hopefully Mark. we'll see thanks, Mark. thanks a lot mate thank you so there it is. There's my interview with me and his lordship. What a great couple of guys. So enthusiastic, so ambitious and just amazing people to talk to. I'm so used to the dynamic on Mark and me of just two people talking, but sometimes it's great to have that extra person and a different dynamic. So I'm really grateful for both of those for taking the time to come on the Mark and me podcast. As I said earlier today, their brand new album, as you're listening to this, is coming out on January the 26th. Go and pre-order it or listen to it when it's out. Buy yourself a vinyl or CD and go and catch them live when they announce their tour dates because they're absolutely awesome. I hope after today's interview, you go and check this band out because they really do deserve your time and attention. Before I go, what I love to do on Mark and Me is ask one favour. So the podcast will always remain free. But in return of listening for free, what I do ask is you hit that share button. Maybe go on your Facebook and hit the share button, on Twitter hit the retweet button, or on Instagram put it as part of your stories. It's the only way this podcast grows. People don't always know this, but I'm a one-man team. I don't have a marketing team or a PR team or money to spend on these things. So if you guys at home are listening and you enjoy it, just share it. Tell your friends, tell people you know, and it really does help Mark and me. I also have a Patreon account. I understand times are tough financially, but if you can spare a couple of pounds each month, there's a link on markandme.com. You can click that and go straight on there. Help sponsor the podcast each and every month. And all the money that goes in there goes right back into the production and making of Mark and Me. Also, you get some welcome packs as soon as you sign up, which includes stickers, badges, 
and I'm making this my big thing of the year each and every month moving forward and this is going to happen every month in 2024 you'll get an exclusive episode called the lost tapes which are only for people that come via patreon so it's an extra little episode just to say thank you for supporting me before I go, I just want to give a quick shout out to the podcast sponsor, Richer Sounds. Without those guys, this couldn't happen. So if you're in the market for a brand new TV, home cinema system or Sonos or just something awesome within TV and video, go and check out richersounds.com. I'll be back in only a couple of days time with a brand new episode. Right now, there's going to be brand new episodes every other day for at least the next week or two because I've got so much to catch up on. So I really hope until then you look after yourself, listen to his lordship Take care and I'll speak to you all very soon.